You uh, you may be seated, and uh, children, uh, kindergarten through third grade, are welcome uh, to children in worship. And after the Christmas cookie buffet, we'll see how much the children in worship leaders still love us. We'll see, and for the rest, those who with slower metabolisms may end up in a sugar coma, um, but I won't, just don't snore. We're uh, looking uh, throughout this Advent season and, and preparing for, for Christmas, we're, we're looking at uh, the invitations of this season and the different way that God invites um, people through the events uh, of Christmas. Um, uh, we've looked at uh, challenging and uncertain, grand, and, and today we'll look at significant um, invitations. Um, and uh, um, But particularly for this, it's not just the invitation, but how we respond to uh, in- invitations. Um, and, uh, you know, the, uh, the old RSVP um, response. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, right through there. Y'all can go right, right over there if, if you want. Killian Crew. Unless you want to preach. You don't want to preach? Okay. Um, but particularly today, we're looking at uh, how we respond or don't respond, you know, with the, with the invitations, the old RSVP. Yeah, actually, these days, from what I've uh, um, experienced and some of what I've uh, studied and looked at uh, from different folks about the RSVP um, culture today is that you're uh, uh, a lot of people, not not you, not y'all. Uh, but other people, you know, out there, um, don't RSVP very well. 25, 30% or so respond to invitations, um, at, um, at all. Um, and the, part of the reason that we don't RSVP, that is sort of guessed and surmised is because of the FOMO, the FOMO, the fear of missing out. You know, so you, you invited me to something two weeks. Well, I got to think about what are the other things that could be coming my way in the next two weeks. That, so there's a fear of missing out before I'm going to commit to what you've invited to me. I've got to discern if anything better comes along. And that usually doesn't happen till the morning of the event that then I know that then I can go to your event that afternoon. So that's why... My RSVP habit is very poor and why many other people's is as well. But what we'll look at today is Mary models for us the perfect way to respond to God's most significant invitation. It's in Luke uh, chapter 1 starting in verse 26 in your pew Bible, uh, 855. Uh, there, or you can follow along on the screen or whatever uh, form um, you you want to read. As we'll see, um, Mary, the mother of Jesus, see her response to God's grand um, and significant invitation. Let's pray together. Gracious God, uh, we ask that indeed your Holy Spirit would open the eyes of our heart, the ears of our soul. To see and to hear from you. 
um, so that we too would respond to you in the same way as Mary. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Um, uh, Luke chapter 1, starting with verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the the first thing that I want us to look at here is just the grand plan that God has now uh, appeared uh, and invited Mary to. This significant invitation to this insignificant female teenager in this small little village. That she will now carry in her womb the Son of God. That, That somehow the creator of the world will be funneled into all the limitations of human existence. And she will carry, deliver, and even raise this child who is the fulfillment of God's grand plan of this rescue and salvation of the world. So you can... um, Imagine that Mary's perplexity and confusion is warranted and understood. And Gabriel tries to explain that to her and to us as well. To say, well, this is, this, this one will be called Jesus, which means God saves. He is the one who will be the fulfillment of God's salvation plan. He will be the son of the most high. He will be the the, the son of the mostest highest. That's the, the literal translation, which means God. He will be the son of God. And he will be the king that fulfills God's promise to King David long, long time ago. He will be of David's family and he will fulfill that promise of God to rule Israel and to rule the world forever with justice and righteousness. 
I mean, that's why we sing joy to the world. It's why we sing come let us adore him. Because we affirm that this promise is fulfilled in Jesus who will rule the world perfectly. And we long for that day. Um, a couple uh, passages. One is in Isaiah chapter 9. It's on the screen, but you can listen. Um, one of the promises that were hundreds and hundreds of years ago that God made through the words of Isaiah in chapter 9. He said, from Galilee, um, the, the Savior will come. And he, in chapter 9, verse 6, he continues, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. Uh, back in Second Samuel chapter 7 as well, verse 16, is the particular promise that God makes through Nathan to David that from him will, from the throne of David, there will be a king who will rule with justice and righteousness forever. I mean, what Gabriel is telling Mary is this is what we call the incarnation. God in the flesh. Carne, you know, meat, Flesh and blood. God takes on flesh and blood. Full divinity and full humanity. It's the mystery of this season. That the the creator somehow takes on the limitations of human existence. Limited. The one who created space and time. Now is limited by space and time. The one who created all of life, just with his very breath, breathed life into that which is inanimate, now is becoming that life and dependent on other for food, for protection. Now subject to pain and even death. Why? Why would God do that? Now, I've got a friend who's a, um, a non-believer and proud of it. And so I love talking to him. And I'll share with him what my my sermon's about. And uh, he, he does a lot of public speaking as well. He shares with me what he talks about. And uh, so I was talking to him just last week. Say, well, this is what I'm, I'm thinking. And I asked him that question. He said, well, I, that's, that's easy. That's because God was bored. Wouldn't you be bored if you were God? You know, you get everything you want, everything you want to happen can happen. And that's his view of, you know, of God. And I'm like, well, really? So you think he's bored, so he's coming down. Well, if he was bored, wouldn't he come as a tourist? You know, just sort of come through, visit, wave, say hello, and then skedaddle. You know, just sort of check in for a little while. Wear a little disguise and then poof, leave. But why would he come... And subject himself to pain and even death, except out of sacrificial love. Except to bring salvation. Unless he accomplished through that death and resurrection the defeat of sin and death itself. If he just came because he was bored, he'd come as a tourist. But to come as one who suffers and dies 
to bring salvation comes as sacrificial love. Um, I was reminded as I was you know, considering this, the, the story um, of Withold Paletsky. You guys know Withold? A few looks out there. He looked like he just ate a... No, he's not an archer. No, uh, Good guess, though. Um, and uh, But Withold is a Polish. You might have guessed that from the name. Uh, but he's a Polish soldier in the 40s. Um, and he decided that he wanted to volunteer to become a prisoner at Auschwitz, which was a concentration camp in um, Germany that took, where they took Jews and uh, others, other prisoners, and they exterminated most of them. And so he, he volunteered to, he was a Polish Catholic, but he volunteered to take on a false identity to become Jewish, and then to go live in the Warsaw ghettos with other Jews, where at, eventually he was swept up in one of the raids through the, the neighborhood and taken, beaten for, for two days, and then taken to Auschwitz, where then he served in prison for three years. And he, he did that in order to find out what was happening there, in order to bring words of hope to the other prisoners that were there. And so he gathered other prisoners. He would encourage them. They would, as he got to know them, who he could trust, it was a slow process. He would write, they would write notes of what was happening, of who would go missing and trying to count how many were dying. And they'd write notes. They'd sew them into clothing and other um, garments that they knew were going to be sent out to a particular uh, laundry facility. And there they had folks who would then know to um, uh, rip them in the right spots and take what they were writing so that others would know what was happening there. Withold had a wife and two children. And he was willing to volunteer and they were willing to let him go for those three years to serve as a Jewish prisoner in one of the most horrific concentration camps the world has ever seen. An illustration of God, the creator, the one who is the only one truly free, who then places himself in the limitations of human existence in order to bring hope, in order to secure hope, in order to secure forgiveness, in order to accomplish what is right and good. That's the grand plan that God has for Mary to participate in. And that's the grand plan that God has me and you to participate in. Us as the church. Those of us, we, we are, as the, the, the scripture calls us, the body of Christ. Not literally, but spiritually and in our existence. We carry the very spirit of God within us in what we do and how we also, like Mary, are a part of fulfilling this grand plan. We have a significant invitation to participate in being the body of Christ today. Entering into the evil of the world, the brokenness in our own lives and in the world around us. God didn't stay in the comfortable confines of heaven. Instead, entered into the evil of our world. And as the followers of Jesus, he empowers us and calls us to do the same. Individually and collectively. 
It's why we as a church are committed to being a diverse community of Jesus followers. Ready to enter into the divisions of this world. In the many ways that the world wants to divide us. In the many ways we divide ourselves. Whether it's race, economics, political conviction, or even NFL teams. In every way, Jesus unites us. And we're called to enter into that. Not to shy away from it. Not to avoid it. Because that's not the way of Jesus. He enters in the evil to show the very power of the good news. Mary was invited and we are invited to participate in the work of God's salvation. I wonder for you particularly, what's the, the place? Where's, what's the evil that God's calling in you? That he's placing Jesus' call upon you to enter into. To, instead of cursing the darkness, to be a light in the midst of the darkness. See, the, the other thing I think we gather from this passage is that we, we human beings don't usually believe that God has a plan for us. Now, we all have a bunch of plans we'd like God to fulfill for us. But what God, that's not the way God works. He invites us to participate in His significant plans. And you might, oh, no, I'm a nobody. I mean, I'm this insignificant little person that just lives here in this College Hill neighborhood in Cincinnati. I'm just there. I'm a nobody. I'm insignificant. Well, then that's perfect. Because so is Mary. It's the first time we hear of her. We um, uh, have nothing about her that we know would be the reason that God chose her except God chose her. But actually, the only thing we know, it's not so much what she's done. It's what she hasn't done that qualifies her to have a virgin birth. And that is all that we know of her. She even lives in a little bitty village, um, uh, the, this Nazareth of Galilee, you know, that, that is, um, it's the kind of city where you have to give city and state. You know, Los Angeles, you, you know where that is. You don't have to say Miami, you know, you know where, where, where that is. But Wetumpka, yeah, I, I gotta tell you, Wetumpka or Homewood, those are giant metropolises in Alabama. Um, so, but you gotta add the, the city and the state. Well, that's the same for the little village that Mary was from. So if you're thinking you're not worthy, you're not important, you're not significant, you're, you're not gifted, perfect. Cause you're just like Mary. And, and it had to be that way for Mary. It has to be that way for us so that what we know is it's not our doing, but God's doing. Uh, part of the, the, the power of the virgin birth, of the miracle of the virgin birth, is saying this, this is God's doing. This is what God, this is God's plan being fulfilled. Um, uh, Bev uh, Graves um, shared uh, a couple weeks ago about an opportunity where she was at a restaurant and this people right next to her, it was one of their birthdays, and Bev you know, said, you know, I'm going to just go bless them and just pay for his lunch because um, uh, it's, uh, 
and there's a couple, it's, it's their birthday, I'll just go bless them. So she got up and tells them, yeah, I just wanted to share God's love and just say happy birthday and struck up a conversation. And as they started talking, the, the man showed interest in what does it mean to follow Jesus. And so Bev starts talking to him further and he says that I'm really interested in following Jesus. And Bev's like, oh no, what do I do? What do I say now? I never expected to get this far. Um, and then she just cries out in her spirit, help God, which is the perfect place to be. God help. What do I say? And then she said, you know, words just came and they talked and they prayed and cried and celebrated together. This is who God uses. People like Mary, people like you and me. So that it's clear it's God's work and not our doing. You know, I think the other reason that we, we want to, um, not think we're qualified to participate in God's plan is because of fear and control. It's sort of like fear of missing out. It's, it's that in my heart of hearts, I believe I'm smarter than God. Or at least, I don't believe that, but I trust myself with me than I do with God. Because God's plan doesn't necessarily relate to my plan sometimes. I gotta believe that with Mary. Right? I mean, this was not her plan. It wasn't what she was dreaming of, you know, as a little girl growing up in Nazareth. It wasn't what her mom and dad were Dreaming of as their plans. I mean, this was going to cause significant issues in her life. Not only with Joseph, which we talked about a few weeks ago, but for the rest of her life. Because we know the rest of the story. We know what happens Good Friday and Easter. And what she has to experience with her son. But this is all part of God's plan. And, and there is this sense of fear and control that, that God is inviting us to give him our whole lives, to fulfill his grand plan. It's, it's a significant invitation to join in the rescue of the world. It's not easy, it's not safe, but there is no better story to live. This was a long time ago. I was 10 years old. So that's 45 years ago. Y'all can do the math. My little brother, Preston, he was six. And we were at the lake. And we were playing at the lake. And my dad was there. And um, as we're playing on the shore, a guy, a, a friend of my dad comes in. And he just bought a new jet ski. This is when jet skis were just started. You know, they're like motorcycles on the water. Sea dews is a lot of what they're called these days. This is a Kawasaki jet ski, lime green. And uh, he, he came up and he goes, hey, Andy, look, look what I got. And he's showing him around, drives around and gets my dad. Why don't you come on? Hey, and get get one of your sons. Y'all come out. Well, like I said, I'm 10, Preston 6. I'm wise to the issues of the world and safety and Fast machines on the water. My brother, six, he's foolish to those things. Doesn't think ahead very well. And he fully trusts my father. And so he's jumping in the water. Remember, he had to come back. He forgot his 
life jacket and go back out there. And he goes and goes with dad. Well, you sure you don't want to do it? Yeah, y'all go ahead. Have a good time. It was, it was the fall. It was uh, September. You can still swim outside in Alabama in September all the way into the end of October. Usually sometimes even Thanksgiving, but that's another story. Um, but so I said, no, I'll go watch the football game. I mean, it was Alabama football game. I mean, that what could be more important than that for a 10 year old boy growing up in Alabama. And, uh, um, and so they go out and I go out and watch the game. 20 minutes later, they come up all wet, you know, loud and boisterous. My brother's got this big red mark on his arm. My dad has this big red mark on his face and they missed the whole first quarter. And, uh, um, and they start telling me their stories, laughing and screaming and carrying on about how they're on this jet ski that goes 15 miles an hour on the water. That's as fast as they went then. 15 miles an hour um, on the water and they're skimming along. They hit this wave and it throws them into the water and dad lands on his face, pressing on his shoulder. And they come back saying just what an exciting, fun ride it was. They didn't care about the score or anything. The next time my dad's buddy brought the jet ski, I was on it. Because that was the adventure. No more staying watching the game, but getting on the machine and busting in the middle of the, of the lake. What, what God invites us to is an adventure that isn't safe, but it is good. It is of eternal significance and it is for the rescue and salvation of the world. I wonder for you, what are some of the fears that hold you back from truly getting on the jet ski? What's God calling you to do and to be? How to love? How to, in in his power, enter into the, the evil and brokenness in your own life or in the, the world around you. Mary demonstrates them for us. The perfect RSVP to God's significant invitation to join in this adventure. I mean, we see in her response, understandable perplexity, confusion, uncertainty. I mean, how is this going to happen? But in the end... Her response is, I'm your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. She responds in full trust in our Heavenly Father. God is worthy of our lives. He's shown us just how much His love is. That he came among us to suffer, to live and suffer and die and be raised to new life, to face evil, face on and to conquer it. Mary demonstrates that kind of trust in one that has such sacrificial love. And Gabriel unpacks for her. Listen, this is what, this is what's happening. This is how this is going to happen. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. The Holy Spirit, the power of God will be in you. Just like He is in everyone who follows Jesus. 
Everyone here who follows Jesus, the only reason you follow Jesus is because the Holy Spirit, the very power of God, resides within you. And, and then Mary, uh, Gabriel tells Mary, and then Elizabeth. Elizabeth's going to come because the same kind of thing has happened to her. God has, has blessed her, has touched her life as well. And y'all will come together and encourage and support one another. You will help one another. Now, it's two people who've been touched by God, invited by God to participate in this grand rescue plan of the world. And y'all will come together to encourage and support one another, to trust and believe and obey and follow after the ways of Jesus. To follow what God's plan is for you. And friends, that's what the definition of the church is. It's just like Mary and Elizabeth. It's people who have engaged with the living God have been invited to engage with the world with his grand plan of salvation and to love the world like he does. And the need that we have to help and encourage and support one another because it's not safe. It is challenging. It's not my plan or your plan. It's not my mama or daddy's plan. It's God's plan. We need one another. Just like Mary and Elizabeth needed one another then. To carry out, to get to be a part and participate in this grand rescue plan of the world. And we might say, that's crazy. This, just this whole story is crazy. That's what Mary said. But Gabriel reminded her, nothing is impossible with God when we're fulfilling his plan. And he hearkens back, Gabriel hearkens back, and Mary would have known this in Genesis 18, back to Abraham and Sarah, who had a very similar kind of situation with their child, Isaac. And the angel told them the same thing. Nothing is impossible with God. It is not impossible for God to gift you and to call you, to empower you with the Holy Spirit within you, so that you and we together can carry out God's, the part of God's plan that God has for us and that has for you in, in your homes, in your workplaces, in your schools, wherever it might be. God is real and active in this world. And I, I wonder if, if some of us here have been working really hard to keep God at a safe distance. See, Christmas is the story that God says, "Ah, you can't keep me at a safe distance. I'm coming right with you, right next to you, right inside you. And sometimes I find I do it. I imagine some of us do as well. We keep God at a safe distance. Because we really don't want to give him all of our plans. All of who we are. We want to keep some for ourselves. And so I wonder today, for you, is a day that you're, that God may be bringing that up. You're bringing that part of, of it up, that part you're keeping for yourself. And you say, no, come, come on, what part of you are you keeping from me? Give it, come to me. What's the way for you to be like Mary? I am your servant. May it be to me according to your word. Or maybe there are some here today that um, you're, you wouldn't consider yourself a follower of Jesus. 
but, but you're, you're here. You're, you're wondering. I mean, you're, you're willing to come on the Sunday before Christmas. Just say, yeah, what is this Christmas about? And maybe today is that day that God's connecting with you in some way. That you're thinking, huh, does God really invite me to be a part of what is good and right? Maybe you're like, you know, I've been living in the den just watching the game. I want to get on the jet ski. Or at least I want to think about it. I wonder what that would be like. Like Mary did. I mean, Mary was perplexed and confused. That's totally understandable. And if that's uh, the case uh, for you, one, I invite you, um, starting in January, on Sunday mornings, we're going to do a particular um, program called Alpha, which is designed for churches to create spaces for people who aren't Christians to come and ask whatever they want to ask. Safe place to really discuss, to hear what, what it is we believe God's story is for the world, and to really engage with that. An open, honest, safe way. Invite you to that. Or maybe you're like, no, I'm ready. I want to get on the jet ski. The things I've been doing, they're not working. I want to accept God's invitation today. I want to be a part of his plan for me. And if that, that's the case, then invite you on that prayer card. Just write on there. I, I want to ex- just write on there RSVP. <laughs> you know, you're responding to God's invitation. And one of the pastors here will uh, be contacting you. Given that it's the week of Christmas, it'll probably be me. Um, and, and if you don't want it to be me, then say somebody else besides the dude that was talking. And somebody else would love to talk with you. Would love to explore with you and just share with you what it means for us to, to accept God's invitation and be a part of his plan for rescuing, loving the world. But for all, let Mary be our example of the perfect response to God's significant invitation. I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Amen. Let's, let's